The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker, and you are listening to episode number 94. Today is Monday, June the 4th. I try to get these episodes out every Sunday, but it just doesn't happen sometimes because I don't feel like it sometimes, and I don't get paid to do this. So, But here we are, and I'm joined by my co-host, fresh off of an interrupted nap, apparently. All the way from New Jersey, Jeff, the Animal Wilson. Jeff, how are you feeling on this Monday evening, my friend? Bill, I am awesome. There's about 14 days left in the school year. So I'm ready to roll, Bill. I'm ready to come down and visit you. I just got to book a flight. So is the the water warm enough to go in there? Because it's freezing up here, Bill. Yeah, the, the water's pretty much always warm enough to go in. You remember the last time you were here in December and you went in the water, but you're also very intoxicated. Um, so there's that. All right, looking forward to it. Jeff, the fight was on Friday night this week, UFC on Friday night, which I kind of liked because then you get, you, you know, Saturday night is free, and that's an unusual feeling. And we usually do the podcast on Sunday, well, it's fresh on our minds. Fight was on Friday. Today is Monday, so this is pretty far removed from what we're used to. And my recollection is not that great. I know you didn't watch the, all the fights on Friday night. You went back and watched them on Saturday. Uh, it was it was kind of a weird fight card because it was it had really dull moments, and then it kind of picked up speed towards the end. And correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, it, it it started to feel like I took an Ambien, Jeff. And just when I was about to start tweeting something really racist, uh, <laughs> the action picked up and woke me up. So luckily I avoided that. I didn't pull a Roseanne and uh, and it canceled, canceled my show, uh, which wouldn't happen anyway because I'm the only person who can cancel my show. Uh, and it w- also wouldn't happen because I wouldn't say anything racist because I'm just not that kind of person, Jeff. In any case, main event, top Bantamweight contenders, Marlon Marais and Jimmy Rivera going into the fight on a 20-fight winning streak, five fights in the UFC, and it ended in about 30 seconds. Give us your thoughts on this main event, Jeff. Bill, this main event was glorious. I mean... Right away, and Bill, we've been talking about Marlon Marias for a while. We know he's dangerous, and he proved it to the world Friday night as he came out, was boxing a little bit, and there's not much to say after that because Rivera didn't see a head kick that dropped him and a couple of very powerful punches on the ground from Marias, and the ref stopped there immediately, immediately. At first, I thought it was a bad stoppage, but looking at the replay, Bill, I think the ref was spot on with this one. Yeah, because he dropped him with a head kick, and then with the punches, you saw him drop again. 
And when, when he dropped, he kind of crumpled that second time. I think it was definitely a good stoppage by Dan Mergliata there. Uh, but unfortunate for Jimmy Rivera, long winning streak that comes to a close after a long training camp in just 33 seconds. So I don't think his stock goes down that much. I mean, he got caught. Uh, I think Marlon Moraes' stock goes up a lot because he came into the UFC with a lot of hype behind him. They threw him to the wolves immediately, giving him Rafael Asuncao. And he had a really close fight with Asuncao that a lot of people believe he won. Came away losing the split decision. And then he won a split decision in a not-so-eventful fight over John Dodson. And then some people were still hating on him after the Aljamain Sterling knockout saying he didn't really mean to do that. He was trying to throw a kick, and the knee caught Aljo coming in because Aljo was dropping for a single leg. So I think some people were still skeptical and didn't think that his hype would carry over into the UFC. I would say it's pretty official now that Marlon Marais has arrived. Would you agree with that statement, Jeff? And what do you see next for him? Absolutely, dude. I mean... I, you know, he, like I said, he shocked the world. Jimmy Rivera is no pushover. He's no joke. Um, he's a very, very talented fighter, but Marias just got going before Rivera could even get his feet wet, really. And um, it's kind of a weird spot because you have Dominic Cruz, who's on the shelf for a bit, and then you have the title picture. Um, honestly, Bill, I'd like to see Marlon Marias take a fight before getting a title shot, maybe John Lineker or Dominic Cruz if uh, Cruz comes back anytime soon because the Bantamweight division is a little clogged up at the moment with Cody uh, challenging TJ in a rematch. Yeah, there, there's a lot of things that need to play out. We need to see the Cody, Cody and TJ rematch because if Cody comes away with the victory, we have to have a rubber match there. So that's going to happen. But will it happen right away? way because both of these guys have injuries and schedule conflicts they're having kids now and everything like that and as i know all too well that can put a wrench in a lot of your plans so yeah it, it, it'll be interesting to see what happens if tj dillashaw wins and dominic cruz stays on the shelf i think you can justify putting marlon marais in there for the title shot against tj that's the only scenario i see playing out where marais will get a title shot uh, luckily in this sport, you're only as good as your last performance, and he's coming off a really explosive and impressive victory over a top contender. Here's another scenario for you. Obviously, Cody Garbrandt has had a lot of injuries, and TJ Dillashaw has had a lot of things going on. Marlon Rice coming off a 33-second victory. There's a chance if TJ Dillashaw or Cody Garbrandt gets hurt in advance of this fight in July, I believe, that Marais can step in there and... uh and challenge for that title. And that would make a lot of sense for a lot of people. Uh, as far as what else I would like to see, I would really like to see Jimmy Rivera and Aljamain Sterling. Uh, I think that's a really interesting fight. And like you said, John Lineker is still in there. Dominic Cruz is as far as we know, still a part of this division. I'm not exactly sure what's going on with him. I believe he is back in the gym. So uh, let's see what happens there. But yeah, bantamweight is is quickly becoming one of the more exciting divisions, and that's really awesome to see. Uh, any other thoughts on this main event here, Jeff? 
Um, no, I'm just really excited to see what's going to happen in this bandweight division. And like you said, Bill, it's definitely becoming very exciting, which I think that some of these lighter divisions need, like uh, flyweight, nothing's going on there, really. Um, Mighty Mouse kind of has a stranglehold on that. Uh, the lightweight division's pretty stacked. Featherweight's looking good. But um, in the lower classes, I'm really excited to see what goes down in the bandweight division. Yeah, for sure. So speaking of the lightweight division, co-main event, Gregor Gillespie against Vince Pichel. Uh, this fight, I believe I said last week this would be the fight to watch on this card. If I didn't, I meant to. And I think this was probably one of the better fights of the night. Just a dominant one-sided beating by Gregor Gillespie. Really showed that national championship caliber wrestling. Uh, just taking Vince Pichel down at will, who is, is not a bad wrestler himself, but Gillespie's wrestling credentials is, is some of the top in the UFC national champion at Hofstra. And uh, he really put it on display there. A lot of people, uh, you know, they, they like to get on hype trains really quickly. And I've been talking about Gillespie for a long time now and saying that this guy is going to be a stud in this division. I still believe that, but there are some people saying, give him Kevin Lee. I want to see him with Khabib. And to that, I would say, let's pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, I do believe he has some of the best wrestling credentials and the best MMA wrestling in the division. However, he does take a lot of damage and it seems to be, it seems to be on purpose. Like he'll take the damage in order to close the distance and get in on those takedowns. And then once he gets you down, he'll take a little bit of damage so he can pass your guard and so on and so forth. Uh, so if you leave yourself open like that with some of these upper echelon guys, you know, you might be able to get in on a takedown with Kevin Lee once, maybe twice, but after taking the damage, he's going to dish out to you uh, when you get in there. And, and he may not even be able to take Kevin Lee down. I've said before, Kevin Lee may be one of the best MMA wrestlers in the game right now. I think it's an interesting matchup. I think it's too soon to be talking about top five guys for Gregor Gillespie. I would like to see him obviously break that top 15, maybe get a guy at the lower end of the top 10, and maybe a guy who's kind of on the way out of the top 10, and and let's see where it goes from there. Uh, I think maybe a Lando Venato would be a fun fight. You know, you have the dynamic striker against the dynamic wrestler. What did you think about this fight with, uh, Gillespie and Pichelle, Jeff. I was super impressed with this. Um, I didn't know too much about Gillespie heading into this, but I remember you mentioning him last week. So I kept an eye out, Bill, and I texted you as soon as this fight was over. I was like, I like this kid. You weren't kidding. He's the real deal. And I still stick to that belief. But I'm in agreement with you. I think that it's a little too early to start making matchups with Kevin Lee and, um, you know, guys like... Khabib, you know, too soon for that. But I do like the Lando Venata matchup. I would even say I'd like to see him against Dennis Bermudez, who's kind of a top guy, but he's been on a little bit of a skid lately. Uh, he's racked up a couple of losses. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of potential for this guy. And I, I see some really good matchups. That Lando Venata sounds awesome. That's a, that's a really good striker versus grappler matchup. I think that Gillespie's pretty well-rounded, too. Um, he did take some damage, but I didn't. I don't think he was in too much trouble anywhere in that fight. 
Yeah, uh, fifth fight in the UFC for Gregor Gillespie, and he has finishes in four of them. So he's got knockout power. He's got that nasty arm triangle, which seems to be his go-to submission. Uh, the setup is, you know, it's it's a brute strength kind of setup, but, you know, he does have pretty slick jiu-jitsu. And when you get a wrestler like that on top of you, it's kind of hard to stop that, that low and slow pressure pass uh, that they put on people. So yeah, awesome fight from Gillespie. He's, he's really, uh, really modest kind of like humble seeming kind of guy. He doesn't want to call anybody out. He lets his manager handle that. And, uh, big, big time fisherman. He loves to fish, which is how I remembered how to say his name now. So I last, last week, I couldn't remember if it was Gillespie or Gillespie. So now I'll just remember it. It's gill, like a fish gill. So that's my little that's my little word trick of the week there. So Gregor Gillespie coming away with the impressive arm triangle choke finish over Vince Pichel. Another impressive performance, heavyweight Walt Harris uh, getting the knockout over Daniel Spitz right at the buzzer uh, of the second round. And Harris pretty much dominated the pace of this fight. Uh, he, he was at a deficiency in terms of length and height but he was able to close the distance with Spitz. He was able to slow down all that Dominic Cruz looking footwork that Spitz was coming out with. And he was able to be patient and pick his shots. And that's exactly what he needed to do. Cause Walt Harris coming off of two losses, unfortunately for him, uh, sometimes his problem in the past has been rushing too much, but now we're seeing a Walt Harris that's really, patient and, and picking his shots like i said and it paid dividends because he broke down spits he slowed him down he made him play his game and he went in for the kill uh right when he needed to and put spits down what were your thoughts on this fight jeff yeah i was super impressed with walt harris i thought he did a good job of cutting off spits movement i think that he did a good job of pressuring him making him fight with his back to the cage and it was it was tough, man. Uh, like you said, Spitz had the advantage in both reach and height. And Walt Harris, it didn't seem to phase him too much, especially in that second round when he caught him with a, a very nice overhand hook. Um, and, you know, he just closed out the show as soon as Spitz hit the ground. I think the ref did a good job stopping this one. And this one looks like it was stopped at 4.59. So one second left in the round, Bill. Yeah, right at the buzzer. So uh, I'd be interesting to see this Walt Harris that we saw on Friday night get back in there. Um, so Andre Arlovsky facing Ty Tuivasa this coming Saturday. I would like to see Harris maybe take the loser of that fight. Uh, and I think that would be a great next step for him. The timeline would seem to make sense. Uh, so that's what I'd like to see for him. Spitz, uh, you know, he's he's a physical specimen for a heavyweight. He's like nine feet tall, super gangly. He's got really unorthodox style. Heavyweights are not used to seeing that kind of bobbing and weaving uh, footwork and head movement uh, in their division. You know, usually they only see that when they're sparring with, with lighter weight guys. So it's a different look and it could work. I think if he just makes a couple of tweaks, you know, uh, Spitz could be right back in there and, you know, maybe there's a fight with Chase Sherman or something like that in his future. Uh, you know, only only two losses in the UFC, so in a very thin 
heavyweight division. So I believe Spitz will be back and looking forward to seeing Walt Harris. Uh, so speaking of being back, uh, a throwback fight, Ben Saunders and Jake Ellenberger. This is one of those fights I was thinking would have been awesome to see like five years ago when both of these guys were in their peak before uh, Ben Saunders had taken a couple of breaks from the UFC and gone and, and racked up some wins elsewhere. From what he says, he's had some mental issues in the past, uh, psychological issues, and that's what stopped him from being successful. But uh, he looked a little bit sloppy in the beginning of that first round. And then once he got into a clinch with Ellenberger and he found a rhythm in that clinch, he put a knee into Ellenberger's liver that hurt my liver watching it. Uh, he just sent him right down to the canvas couple of punches to follow them up. They were totally unnecessary. And Jake Ellenberger has lost eight of his last 10 fights. So you got to be thinking he's probably on his last legs in the UFC. What were your thoughts on the fight? Let's start there, Jeff. Dude, Ben Saunders looked awesome, especially at the end when he got that Mutai clinch where he was making Jake Ellenberger look down and he's just sending knees from the depths of hell into his face into his body um dude all those knees looked painful i think it was just a matter of time and as for jake ellenberger man i don't know what you do with him at this point i um sorry my niece just came in and <laughs> she usually comes in crying so okay um yeah it's not me crying for jake ellenberger and his career uh, we're not putting we're not putting sound effects on this to make fun of Jake Ellenberger. Let's just be clear about that. There is an actual yeah. child in the room. Yeah, All right, carry on, Jeff. Yeah, I'm sorry. There's an actual baby in my house crying. But um, yeah, dude, I feel bad for Jake Ellenberger. It looks like he just hasn't been himself in a really long time, and I don't know what you do with him, man. I don't see the UFC keeping him uh, for too much longer. Yeah, from my understanding, Jake Ellenberger was going to be cut right before he fought Matt Brown, and he flew to Las Vegas and met with Dana White in person and said, look, I changed a bunch of things up in my training camp. Give me one more chance. I'm going to be back. You know, I'll be back to the old Jake Ellenberger, and, and Dana, you know, respected him for that, and he, he knocked out Matt Brown. So that kind of gave him another breath of fresh air. But then he had two really bad knockout losses to Jorge Masvidal and the Mike Perry elbow from hell, which is like a highlight reel of highlight reel knockouts. And now the knockout loss to Ben Saunders, three straight knockout losses, you know, after dropping, you know, however many other fights to the point where they were going to cut him. Um, uh, unfortunately, I mean, only 33 years old too. And he seems like one of the, every time you think one of these guys has been around forever, like, uh, Tiago Alves or something like that, you find out they're 33, 34 years old, which is really depressing for me because that's my age. Uh, <laughs> but luckily I'm not in a field where my age determines, uh, how much longer I'm going to be sticking around. I, I could do this you know, as long as I have a microphone or an internet connection. So, but you can't lock yourself in a cage for much longer past that with a few exceptions, you know, I mean, Randy Couture, I think was 47 in his last fight, something ridiculous like that. But you know, that's the exception, not the rule. Dan Henderson comes to mind. A lot of the old school, like gritty, like uh granite chinned uh, wrestlers. Uh, so yeah, that's that. Um, 
and Ben Saunders wants to make a title run. What's your what's your thought on that, Jeff? Uh, uh, he's got a couple of wins in his last few fights, but I think it's a little too soon to be asking for title shots. I think Ben Saunders needs to take on a uh, probably like a Robbie Lawler, a Stephen Wonderboy Thompson type if he wants to get that title shot first. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't think he wants a shot right now, but he said he wants to make a run at it. Like he's not just back to get a few more, few more fights in. Um, yeah, I think there's some interesting matchups for him at 170. Uh, nothing really coming to mind that's jumping off the top of my head, but you know, it, it, it's always interesting to see Ben Saunders in there. He's really big for a welterweight. So it's always interesting to see those matchups and how people will deal with his, his length. And also for a really tall guy, he's excellent off of his back, uh, 10th planet guy. So he's got a really dangerous guard. Um, all right. So before that, Julio Arce getting the uh, rear naked choke victory over Daniel Tamer, who uh, appeared to be winning the fight before uh, getting choked out, at least in my opinion anyway. But Daniel Tamer, as well as his brother, David Tamer, uh, fighting pretty dirty last night. Very obviously grabbing the cage a bunch of times during some takedown attempts. Uh, David Tamer was was doing a little bit of eye gouging, it seemed like, at, to the point where it it was very clearly blatant. Uh, what were your thoughts on Arce's finish, though, and the fight overall, Jeff? Yeah, Tamer was looking pretty good despite the size difference. He was clearly the smaller fighter. You know, he was able to get in on the legs, really punish Arce's legs, trying to take away some of the movement. And I actually had him winning. Uh, I thought I had, I had Tamer winning on the cards up until that point. And then in the third round, once it hit the ground, Arce came alive and really put the squeeze on a rear naked choke that he got Tamer in. And uh, it looked like he had a really nice body triangle. So all types of discomfort for Tamer. I, I didn't see him getting out of that one. Yeah, for sure. It was a really, really nasty choke. So good job to him. Uh, before that, we had Sam Alvey and Jean Vellante. A very uneventful fight. So Sam Alvey coming away with a split decision. Uh, I, my guess would be because he exploded and dropped Vellante at the end of round one and then exploded and almost dropped him again at the end of round two. Other than that, he was backing up for most of the fight. And Here's my only problem with the way this decision went. Um, I, I scored Alvy winning the fight just because I felt like he did more damage and, and landed the bigger shots. But I could have seen the judges giving it to Volante because this is the same situation we saw with Stephen Thompson and Darren Till. I, I think almost identical. You know, Volante was pressing forward the entire fight and he was landing shots and he was making Alvy back up. And Alvy came forward and was more explosive and landed the bigger shots in the fight uh, or the cleaner shots in the fight, I should say. Uh, but in Till's case, the decision went to him. And in Volante's case, the decision went to the opponent. Uh, do you think this is a good grounds for comparison, Jeff? And how did you see this fight going? Bill, <clears throat> it's tough. Um, you know, uh, like you said, it's... Uh, and you said this about fighting that, you know, you're based on your last performance, basically. And it's kind of like that with judging. You know, they kind of remember what happens at the end of the round uh, just because it's so fresh in their minds. And I think those explosions from Sam Alvey at the end 
probably won him the fight. But if we're looking at the the rounds as a whole, I think John Vellante did more work. I think that he did a good job of making Sam Alvey back up, uh, fight with his back to the cage. And part of the judging criteria is octagon control, which looked to me like Vellante won in at least two of those rounds. So could have gone either way. Um like I said, I don't think uh, I don't think Sam Alvey's getting. Uh, I'm sorry, I don't think John Volante is getting robbed here. But I could have seen this one going either way. Yeah, unfortunate for Volante because his last three fights were all split decisions, and only one of them went his way. Uh, and then prior to that, he was knocked out by Shogun Hua. So uh, it, it's tough for him to make a case for a big fight. I think this was a a big opportunity for him. And if he had put Sam Alvey away, it would have made a big difference in his career. Especially I mentioned before that the heavyweight division is thin. The light heavyweight division is probably the thinnest division out there. Uh, if I had to, if I had to pick one besides maybe men's flyweight or uh, women's featherweight, since there's, <laughs> there's actually nobody in that division. <laughs> but in any case, uh, Alvy comes away with the win. Uh, he calls out Corey Anderson, but Corey Anderson having some family issues, he didn't respond right away. So maybe that'll happen. Maybe it won't. Um, it's really no skin off my back either way. So Jara Eubanks making her return, uh, since not being able to participate in the finals of the ultimate fighter season 25, in which she had the opportunity to be the first women's flyweight champion, but was not able to make weight. She makes weight. This time, taking on uh, a very game Lauren Murphy, who I think surprised a lot of people with how well she fared against Sajara. I think uh, Sajara was a heavy favorite here, and and a lot of people thought she would kind of walk through Lauren Murphy. And then the other thing is Sajara Eubanks. I, I feel like she controlled the fight on the feet, but Lauren Murphy's guard was really impressive in this fight. You know, she had, she had some good bottom control and she was throwing up some submissions considering that, uh, jujitsu is supposed to be Sajara's bread and butter. I, I think that Laura Murphy put on a much more impressive performance than I anticipated, but, uh, Sajara Eubanks definitely deserving of the decision. This was a pretty one-sided fight, but I will give credit to Laura Murphy for, uh, her guard work in this fight. What were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, dude, Lauren Murphy was working off the bottom, using the rubber guard a lot, which um, I don't find too effective in MMA. I think we've discussed that a little bit before. But, I mean, she was making it work. She was making Sajara Eubanks work to even stay on top. And, I mean, Sajara Eubanks really didn't look like she was in any trouble. Um, I kind of thought she was going to run through Lauren Murphy, but um, Murphy put up a good fight. Um but I don't know, dude. I've never really been impressed with Murphy. I don't know what's next for her. But for Sajar Eubanks, I'd like to see her get another fight where she makes 125 before we can talk about a title shot. Because I believe, now don't quote me on this, but I believe we talked about Shevchenko also being the number one contender. Um, but Nico Montano seems to be dodging everybody. So I don't know. Yeah. Um, it, it's an interesting it's an interesting dilemma here. I, I do think that Valentina Shevchenko is the best uh, women's flyweight fighter. Uh, I, I believe there's even an argument that she was the best bantamweight fighter. Um, just some decisions didn't go her way. Um, in, in any case, 
um, it makes things interesting. So it, it's good that the women's flyweight division is off to not not a great start because Nico Montagna, you know, won the belt and then has had some personal issues and some injuries that, uh, you know, she hasn't been able to compete. But I think there's definitely a lot of talent in this division. It's definitely off to a better start than the women's featherweight division, which has nobody in it except the champion pretty much. Uh, and some bantamweight fighters who stepped up uh, in tough spots to take big fights. Uh, so David Tamer, we kind of mentioned, gets a decision over Nick Lentz. Uh, Tamer playing dirty there, so um, you know we won't get too far into that, but it, it was a pretty straightforward performance from him. Pretty much what you expect, straight punches down the pipe, good footwork, good movement. Uh, let's move on. Uh, another impressive performance that a lot of people uh, were really celebrating. And I think only because uh, of everything that was stacked against Bilal Muhammad, who did his fight camp uh, during the fasting month of Ramadan. I'm sure everyone's from Muslims will fast from dawn until dusk, and they're not allowed to eat until nighttime. So obviously this can impact a fight training camp because you have to be very considerate of your diet and your training two or three times a day, and you're not able to fuel your body. Uh, the other thing that seemed to be stacked against Bilal Muhammad is a very noticeable uh, welt on his right arm, which I believe to have been a staph infection. And, uh, you know, this happens. It's very common in MMA gyms. So you get the you get the staph virus on your skin. It's present on everyone's skin when you train in an MMA gym. It's just it's just the way it is. It's one of those things that exists. And sometimes it gets into open cuts or open pores, and it causes an infection. And it's a very draining infection. If that's, in fact, what it was, uh, this is an assumption on my part. Of course, I'm not a doctor or anything, but I've seen a fair amount of staff in in my days of, of training and being an athlete and everything like that. And if that were the case, you know, that's something that's really exhausting because if you take antibiotics for it, the antibiotics will drain you, the staff will drain you, uh, you just feel very lethargic, like you don't want to do anything. Uh, so uh, a, a good performance by Bilal Muhammad, I feel like if he didn't have those things stacked against him, it should have been a much more dominant performance against uh a, a very unknown fighter. I mean, this kid, Chance uh, Recounter, I, I want to say. Uh, he came in, you know, with a little bit of hype, but making his UFC debut, uh, a fighter of the caliber of Bilal Muhammad probably should have uh, handled this guy. But you have to be impressed with the work ethic of Muhammad, uh, you know, fighting during the, the holy month of Ramadan and if he indeed had a staph infection, you know, that's a ballsy motherfucker right there. So what were your thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, Bill. Um, you know, I like Bilal Muhammad. He's a good fighter and pretty impressed with him. You know, it's, it's not easy to fast all day. Um, you know, just not eating anything. You can't drink any water. And then he's still training while he's doing all this. You know, you got to give the guy credit, but, um, as for chance, I think we got to give chance a chance, Bill. It was his UFC debut. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, against a tough guy, I think he can definitely bounce back from this. Yeah. Now you could definitely see his nerves in there too. He was throwing a lot of feints, like an unusual amount of feints, which shows that he was kind of nervous about pulling the trigger. He didn't want to overcommit to anything and then get taken down by Muhammad. But, uh, Muhammad seemed to want to stand with him. Uh, 
which he tends to do sometimes. Obviously, grappling is is more so his world, but he wants he always likes to prove that uh, he can stand and strike with guys too. And his striking looks, um, you know, solid. So the only other fight on this card I want to bring up uh, is because it had a very unusual ending, and it was Jose Shorty Torres against Jared Brooks. So Jared Brooks kind of winning the fight. And then in the second round, he picks up Jose Torres in kind of a weird way and tries to backwards suplex him and ends up landing on his own head, knocking himself out. And then Jose Torres uh, immediately gaining his wits about him, jumped on Jared Brooks and dropped a couple of punches. And that was it for Jared Brooks. So if you didn't catch this one, definitely jump on the internet and and check out Jose Torres versus Jared Brooks. It was a very unusual um it, it's hard to even describe the way jared brooks was trying to throw torres it seemed like he just got carried away with trying to do something unusual and he knocked himself out so it happens but uh jose torres coming into the flyweight division with a lot of hype behind him he's got a lot of fan support he's got a big following so uh excited to see him back in there unfortunate night for jared brooks did you catch this one jeff yeah, it's been all over the internet, so I did see, I only saw the highlights, but yeah, dude, Jared Brooks looked like he was going for like a double leg, and Jose Torres had the mat awareness to not only grab Brooks by the waist, but also it, he moved his body like in a, in a way where Brooks couldn't slam him clean. And it, Torres was kind of, they were like perpendicular, I mean, parallel to each other. So the only thing that Brooks could land on was his head instead of Torres's body. It, it's, and like you said, it's a weird finish, but um, it's not the first time somebody knocks himself out in the UFC. It happened, uh, I want to say early 2000s. I forgot um, who it was, but somebody was going for this like judo trip and ended up landing on his own head. So it happens, you know, comes with the territory, but. Super exciting fight up until that point. Even the knockout itself was exciting. Hopefully, Jared Brooks um, learns from this and realizes that, you know, mistakes happen. Hopefully, he cleans up his technique a little bit. But um, overall, really exciting card, Bill. The main card was almost all finishes, so super exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it slowed down a little bit, I think, with the Alvi and Volante fight. Uh, even the Arce and Tamer fight was a little bit kind of dull until the ending and then uh once saunders landed that knee uh that card was off to the races so um uh, fight night 131 great card uh we have an excellent card on paper coming up in ufc 225 that's this saturday june 9th and it's going to be in chicago illinois and it's headlined by a rematch between robert whitaker and yoel romero for the UFC middleweight championship. So middleweight, another one of these divisions that's been very kind of interesting. Uh, a lot of bottlenecking. You had George St. Pierre coming out of nowhere, taking the title and then giving it right back up. Uh, but the, the uh, rightful champ, Robert Whitaker coming in to defend his title against Yoel Romero in a rematch in which he defeated Romero. Uh, what are your thoughts on this main event, Jeff, before we take a look at this whole card here? I'm excited, man. I've been wanting this rematch, Bill. You know, there was a lot of um, 
issues with their first fight. Whitaker got injured halfway through the first round. Romero was trying to conserve his energy, and I felt like Whitaker just did enough to win. I think this was a really close fight, so I'm really glad they're running this one back. Yeah, and we saw we didn't know how Yoel Romero would do going into a five-round fight uh, because he tends to he doesn't gas, but he uses his energy in a very unusual way. And usually he has an explosion in the third round. You know, we've seen this time after time. He finished Chris Weidman in the third round. Uh, he finished Leota Machida in the third round. He finished Tim Kennedy in the third round, though there was a lot of controversy around that fight. Uh, he finished Derek Brunson in the third round, but we didn't know how he would be beyond that third round. And, you know, we saw him start to fade in those championship rounds, but here's a guy who, you know, is an Olympic caliber athlete, and he seems to think that he knows how to make the adjustments to beat Robert Whitaker. The first fight was fantastic. It really showed Whitaker's toughness. Uh, he's been out with some injuries since, and we we haven't seen him in a while. So hopefully he's recovered. Um, you know, there's also the size difference. Whitaker, of course, used to fight at welterweight um but he he's been on a hell of a tear since moving up to middleweight obviously and becoming the champion so uh this is a really interesting fight and there's a lot of really interesting fights on this card the co-main event Rafael dos Santos and colby covington for the ufc interim welterweight championship colby covington has to be the most polarizing figure in the sport right now i would think his awkward style of trash talk really gets a lot of people riled up and it's really amusing to me and Rafael dos Anjos seems unfazed by it he says i'm going to teach this guy some respect and uh you know we'll see what happens uh you know covington it don't make no mistake covington is an elite level fighter uh love the guy hate the guy uh despise the guy I know a lot of people are really rooting for him to lose, but that doesn't mean you can count him out skill-wise. Uh, his wrestling credentials are off the charts. Uh, he's he's a really talented wrestler. His striking leaves something to be desired, but uh, you know when you have the grappling tools to compensate for that, uh, it doesn't really matter. And he does have some power. You know, he's got some knockouts under his belt, and uh, you know. Dos Santos off of his back. I mean, he is uh, a black belt, but he doesn't have the kind of ground game you have to worry about like a Damian Maya. And uh, Colby Covington was able to uh, avoid being submitted by him. So if Covington's able to get him down and hold him hold him down for five rounds, uh, you're looking at a new interim welterweight champion. On the other side of the coin, Dos Santos has the kind of power in his hands to put anybody out in that division. I think this is a really interesting matchup. And I, I know a lot of people are thinking that Covington doesn't have a chance. And a lot of that is based on their opinions about him and his trash talk and everything like that. What are your thoughts on this fight, Jeff? Bill, I'm really interested in this fight. Like you said, Covington, awesome grappler, really high-level wrestler. Um, but, Bill, I, I kind of am counting him out. Not entirely, but just a little bit. But it has nothing to do with him or his trash talk. It's just that Rafael Dos Anjos, so well-rounded. He's got vicious power in his hands. And, Bill, I'm more worried about the leg kicks because we've seen him drop people with his leg kicks. Uh, an example is Nate Diaz. And 
Um, I think that if he can land some really hard leg kicks early on, I think he can take away some of Colby Covington's movement. I think that he can take away some of that wrestling ability because, you know, uh, a lot of, of wrestling is a lot of it involves the legs, you know, shooting on people. Once you get them down, it's different. But I think those on Joe's leg kicks are a huge factor in this. And I think that he's well-rounded enough to really take it to Covington. So super exciting matchup. Yeah. And Dos Anjos really putting those uh, leg kicks to work against Robbie Lawler in his last fight too. He looked uh, phenomenal in that fight. Very different fight than Covington because Lawler is a guy who's going to be standing in your face boxing uh, the entire fight and not letting you take him down. Whereas Covington's looking to get the fight to the ground and kind of wear on you and make you carry his weight. Uh, so I think it's a really interesting matchup. I'm really looking forward to that fight and I'll read off a couple of others here. Uh, and tell me what jumps out to you, Jeff. We got Holly Holm and Megan Anderson in a women's featherweight championship. Uh, the, the winner of this will probably get a crack at cyborg. We got Andre Arlovsky and Tai Tuivasa, uh, the undefeated Tai Tuivasa, which I, I mentioned earlier when we were talking about Fight Night 131. We got Alistair Overeem, Curtis Blades, and we got Claudia Gedalia and Carla Esparza. Out of those fights, Jeff, which one jumps out to you? Because I have some other ones that I want to go into depth on. Oh, man. Um, so right off the bat... I love Andre Arlovsky versus Tai Tuivasa. Tuivasa is one of the – dude, he's a heavyweight, but he moves like a smaller guy. He comes flying at you. He has unbelievable power in his hands. He's athletic for a big guy. I mean, he, he wants to fight. He loves to fight. He likes talking trash to his opponents. I mean, what's not to love about this guy? If you haven't seen him, go check out one of his flying knee finish in um, one of his first UFC fights. Super impressive. But Andre Arlovsky is no slouch either. You know, experienced, solid everywhere. Um, you know, anything that Tuivasa throws at him, Arlovsky has probably seen before. So that matchup is really interesting. And... I'm really liking Holly Holm versus Megan Anderson. I don't know too much about Megan Anderson, but um, she's talked about a lot, so clearly she's no slouch. And Holly Holm, former bandweight champion, um, one of the few people to beat Ronda Rousey, the other one being Amanda Nunez. So um, a lot of these fights are looking really good, Bill, but those are the uh, first two that pop out to me. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Andre Arlovsky, one of these guys who seems to have nine lives with the UFC. Every time they try to put him out of his misery, uh, the guys, you know, takes out, takes out a young contender he did it with junior Albini. Um, and, uh, you know, he's got, he's won two in a row. Like every time you think Arlovsky's done, he surprises you. So that's an interesting fight. Then you have CM Punk and Mike Jackson going at it. These two guys are Owen one as professional MMA athletes, and they both have losses to the same fighter, and that's Mickey Gall. And this fight replaced Alistair Overeem and Curtis Blades on the main card. So the UFC made an executive decision to move Alistair and Curtis off of the main card to the prelims in exchange for Phil Brooks, also known as CM Punk, and Mike Jackson. So. To me, this is kind of a no-brainer move. Uh, a lot of hardcore MMA fans are upset about this, but 
uh, you know, if Overeem and Blades is the fight you really wanted to see as a hardcore fan, now you get to see it for free. You know, before it was on the pay-per-view, and if you're not that interested in Phil Brooks, don't don't buy the pay-per-view. I mean, that's one way to look at it anyway. It's kind of a no-brainer. I mean, it, it's one of these things that it sucks as an MMA purist to have to concede to these kind of things, but Phil Brooks is going to draw. People are going to pay to see him. You know, you still have the leftover WWE fans that are not completely converted and maybe they're not uh, totally believers. Like they don't, they don't know how bad he is. Uh, I'll put it that way. And the, the guy is, you know, he's still got a huge fan base. It's in his hometown of Chicago. Uh, so he, he's going to be putting a lot of butts in the seats there. Uh, I, I don't really see a problem with it in the long run. Um, uh, what are your thoughts on it though, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, I think this is a good move. I think that you're drawing out a lot of people to pay for the pay-per-view and whether you like it or not, CM Punk sells seats, whether you want him to get his ass whooped or you want to see him do well. Um, whichever end of the spectrum, I think you're going to tune in and Bill, um, not to trash on CM Punk too much because, you know, I think he's had enough of that already. You got to respect the guy. I mean, he's stepping out of his element. I'm sure he's making a ton more money with the WWE, but he wasn't happy there. And he said, you know, I've been training martial arts, uh, you know, as part of my pro wrestling training and I want to do this, you know, I'm, I, he's not expecting to get a run at the title. He just wants to go out there and prove to himself, I think more than anybody else, that he can do this. And, you know, he's he's being exposed to ridicule. And, you know, I'm sure there are memes about him. I'm sure that that loss to Mickey Gall, you know, super early in his last fight was it still weighs on him. So you got to respect the guy for going out there and saying, I'm going to try again. I'm going to try again and be better than I was. Yeah, for sure. You, you definitely have to admire his kind of mentality. I mean, the guy walked away from millions and millions of dollars uh to be able to to do this and put himself through what was a really embarrassing professional debut and he dusted himself off he got back in the gym and he's coming back to do it again i mean there have been people who dedicated their lives to this and once they took that first loss they walked away um so you know there is that to be said about him uh, i like how you look at the positive there jeff so i'm going to throw another barrage of fights at you and I'm going to tell you the fights I'm looking forward to the most here. Um, the one I, I'm probably looking forward to the most, I'd say, is the biggest sleeper fight on this entire card, and that's Mursad Bektik against Ricardo Lamas. I think this is a really awesome fight. So Bektik undefeated except for that one fight with Darren Elkins, which was like the comeback of the century in which Darren Elkins came back out of nowhere to win the fight at the last minute. Uh, really unbelievable fight. And Ricardo Lamas has been on quite a tear lately. I feel like this fight is flying under the radar. And then I'll give you Rashad Evans and Anthony Smith. That's at middleweight. And then Joseph Benavidez and Sergio Pettis at flyweight. And then the fight I'm looking forward to the second most on this entire card, Clay Guida and Charles Oliveira. I think that's a really awesome lightweight matchup. So out of all the ones I just listed there, Jeff, what's jumping off the page at you? Um, hmm. 
Bill, I gotta be honest with you. I think that out of those fights you gave me, the one that I'm most excited for is actually Joseph Benavides versus Sergio Pettis. And Pettis has looked good at flyweight. And I think that if he beats Joseph Benavides, I think it's his time. I think that it's, you know, probably one of the highest ranked guys he's ever fought. Joseph Benavides is no slouch. He's fought for the title twice. And both of the times, very deserved. Um, and I think that this fight has some very important implications for the flyweight division if Pettis can beat Benavidez. And then after that, the second fight that I'm most excited for out of those is Ricardo Lamas versus Mirsad Bektich. Um, Lamas, tough dude. He's he's always in the top five uh, conversation. He, um, I believe he just came off a loss. I can't remember to who for some reason. I know it's somebody, might have been Max Holloway. But um, yeah, dude, Lamas is a tough dude. I don't think you can ever leave him out of the featherweight conversation. And Bektich, also very tough, except for that loss to Darren Elkins. But Darren Elkins is, he his threshold for pain is ridiculously unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, so those two fights really stand out to me, Bill. This whole card looks absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, on paper, it, it's definitely one of the best cards of the year. I'm really looking forward to this one. Just to touch briefly back on the Benavidez and, and uh, Pettis fight, Joseph Benavidez, a lot of people, I mean, this guy doesn't get the credit he deserves, not even close to it. He has beaten everyone he has ever fought, not named Demetrius Johnson or Dominic Cruz. And there's no shame in losing to either of those guys. Here's a guy who is 25 and four in his MMA career. He has two losses to Dominic Cruz in the WEC. No shame there. And he even went the distance with him twice. One of them, uh, a split decision. And Demetrius Johnson lost a close dilemma. If Joseph Benavidez, he's a he's clearly the number one contender at flyweight if he beats Sergio Pettis you can't put him in there a third time with Mighty Mouse you just can't especially after getting knocked out in the second fight so the UFC has to be hoping for Sergio Pettis to uh pull this win out and Sergio very talented young kid hasn't been very active it's no easy task getting past Joseph Benavidez I mean this is one of the toughest guys at the lighter weight classes in history uh, his record speaks for itself. He's fought, you know, everybody under 135 pounds that he could fight. Uh, hasn't fought in a while, though. Not since December 2016 in that split decision win over Henry Cejudo. So I don't know what's been going on there. Um, but, yeah, it's a tough spot for the UFC here because if Benavidez wins, then you got to do him and Mighty Mouse a third time, and they're, they're not going to put much marketing dollars behind that. And... You know, that's going to upset Mighty Mouse even more because he thinks the UFC doesn't promote him. But, uh, you know, when there's when there's not a lot of guys in the division, you're not left with many choices. So, in any case, UFC 225, Chicago, Illinois, June 9th, uh, stacked-ass card. And I'm really looking forward to it. So, one other piece of news I wanted to touch on before I ask you if you have anything else, Jeff. Uh, Yair Rodriguez verbally reinstated by the UFC and a fight with... Zabit Magomed Sharipov is in the works. They have both verbally agreed to it. So uh, a lot of people upset about the Yair Rodriguez uh, cut, and we talked about this last week. 
I was kind of on the fence about it. And I think the UFC did the right move because you can't, uh, you can't let these guys that are not, you know, top 10 fighters start using their social media handles to leverage you and pressure you into, uh, not making the fights that, that they want to see and that the fans want to see. So, uh, I'm excited for this fight. I'm glad he's back. I'm glad, you know, he's not going to lose his career over a tweet. Um, I think he definitely deserves a lot more cushion in terms of that than Roseanne. So uh, it's good to see Yair back, and I'm really excited for this fight. That's good. That's a really awesome fight to make. So uh, I'm glad it worked out. What are your thoughts on this, Jeff? Yeah, Bill, um, that is a really tall order. Um, I believe um, – what's his name? Uh, Magomed Shapirov, if I'm saying that correctly – um, I believe he trains with Khabib, or he's out of Khabib's gym. So really tough dude. I believe he hasn't lost yet. Super excited to see Yair Rodriguez back in the UFC. Um, but I don't know about that fight, man. He's going to have a tough, tough task ahead of him. But, Bill, that's a, fight, that's a fight that I'll pay to see any night of the week. So let's do it. Let's make it happen. Yeah, a lot of pressure on Yair Rodriguez because – He's got this whole fiasco where the UFC cut him. Now he's coming back and he's got to prove that, you know, he was worth keeping. Not only that, he's got to fight a lower ranked opponent than him, which is what he really didn't want. And a guy who's probably one of the most dangerous guys in the featherweight division. Uh, so this is like a lose, lose, lose for Yair, even though he did get his job back. It's like, all right, we'll take you back, but you got to fight this fucking savage who's ranked lower than you. And also we're not happy with you. And you know that because we fired you once. So good luck. Uh, <laughs> uh, not and it. And then who knows if he even has his confidence back after the thrashing he took from Frankie Edgar, which is one of the biggest one-sided beatings uh, we've seen uh, in that division in a long time. So a lot of interesting things going on. Uh, any, any other news or anything like that that you wanted to bring up, Jeff? Yeah, there was something. Um, there was a heavyweight fight booked. Um, I want to say it's Fabricio Verdum, but I can't remember who the guy's fighting is. Um, but yeah, just uh, man, I wrote it down before and then I lost it. But uh, super excited for that heavyweight fight. If I can never remember what that is, hopefully, I remember by next week, Bill. Super excited for the heavyweight fight. I don't remember. Uh, <laughs> I just remember it was two good names. One of them was Doob. I can't remember the other one. All right. Well, uh, I don't know. There's not too many other people in that heavyweight division, so not too many people it could have been. In any case, I guess we'll call it here. Uh, no, no real alcohol updates. For me, I was drinking some Sierra Nevada over the weekend, which is one of my my go tos. Bought bought a uh, variety pack there. Anything for you, Jeff? Um, Bill, that concert I was gonna go to got canceled because everybody thought it was gonna rain, and then it never rained. So didn't get to drink this weekend, sadly. Oh, so heavyweight fight you don't remember? A beer you didn't get to drink? Uh <laughs> oh, it was weekend, Bill. You're just dropping a ball at the end of the show here, Jeff. If you want to get a hold of Jeff and yell at him on social media for 
not drinking his beer at his concert over i would have been drinking beer because the concert was canceled i would have went when you should have went down to the beer spot or something and and drowned your <laughs> sorrows and and looked at at how it wasn't raining outside and you're like fuck this and then order another round in any case if you want to get a hold of jeff it's at animal underscore wilson on twitter of course, you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks. Oh, the other thing I wanted to bring up, we did shot bets uh, for this past fight. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, Jeff. So I said at the beginning of the fight card, pick the winner of the main event. If you're wrong, you have to take a shot, and you have to post a picture of the shot on Twitter. And quite a few of you participated so that's awesome thanks to those of you who did some of you still owe me pictures of your shots but um maybe we'll try and do this we'll make this a thing the mma shot bet i made a hashtag and everything so it's a little bit fun make it interesting put something on the line that's not money even if you lose you get to drink some alcohol in any case at mma on the rocks facebook twitter instagram everywhere else on the internet that's all we got for this week until next time cheers everybody goodbye <laughs>